0: What did he say? Oh my God!
2: Another one. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome. Happy New Year! It's Thursday, January 5th at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and this is our first episode of 2023. We are the godfathers of podcasting. And in case y'all didn't know, we have been podcasting since before podcasting was even called podcasting. And as always, archives of this show are available on all the major podcast providers, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, you know the drill. Video archives, as always, are only available right here on Godfathersofpodcasting.com. We are absolutely live and you can interact with us. The number is 437-375-2000. It's up on your screen, 437-375-2000. Send us a text or get us on WhatsApp. You can send us your feedback, your questions, your um, New Year's resolutions. You can send questions for tonight's guests. Whatever you want, my man, we are here. My name is Donnie De Silva, and it is my distinct honor to introduce the Barbara Walters to my Whoopi Goldberg. This is my man, Chris Tidwell, notorious TID. Well, hello,
0: and happy <laughs> new year to you, Donnie. Was, uh, was I everything feel like we you
2: were, were about to do interview? a Barbara Walters impression and you thought better of it. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I
0: can do it. No, I don't think I could do a Barbara Walters. <laughs> Baba L. Walters. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he just did it. There you go. <laughs> uh.
2: Talk about the resilience of a woman at the age of 93 to carve out a, a gold star career in broadcasting with a speech impediment. Like, how did that happen?
0: In a in a hugely dominated male yeah. environment.
2: Yeah. Like today, and it's not unusual to see female the, anchors. But when no. she came up, it was very it, unusual to see female anchors.
0: Right. Right. She was the she was the queen. I mean, there's no other way to put it, really. You know? Uh, <sighs> some of the interviews, you go back and you watch and you're like, wow. Only she could get away with it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, only she could do this interview. None of the other guys could have been able to do the interview. So it, it 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 gave the news world a whole different angle, too, right? And for her to still be doing this at that age and just, like, it's Barbara fucking Walters. So it was Betty White, now Barbara Walters. Yeah, in like, case
2: you're living under a rock and you don't know why we're talking on and on about Barbara Walters, she passed away right before uh, New Year's, Yeah. Um, uh, right after we did our last show of the year. Um, Barbara Walters passed away. I think for me to the, the thing that I've always held on to and, you know, like you and I, we've been doing this podcast online radio thing for a very long time. Not as long as Barbara Walters, but since like before it was what, what was it called? It wasn't called podcasting. <laughs> it was even before that. Um, you and I have interviewed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people together from all different walks of life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we always get told, oh, that interview was great. You guys are so great the way you do interviews. And that's always nice to hear. For me, I always try to pattern a little bit of our interview style after three people, right? Howard Stern, who I still think is the GOAT of interviews, And if you think, oh, he's just about tits and ass and lesbian jokes and, and all that, you have not heard Howard Stern in the last 10 years. Like sure. he completely re redeveloped himself, transformed himself, evolved himself from just the, you know, toilet humor guy into the preeminent interviewer. But to me, it's always been Howard Stern, our pal, George Strombolopoulos and Barbara Walters. To me, those are the three best interviewers i've ever heard and every time i watch the way that they compose an interview and the way that they structure an interview it's like oh fuck that was that was really and i know a lot of it's a lot of it's written and a lot of it's researched for them and they have a whole team but it's also about timing and it's about that most important skill when you're doing an interview which is active listening right and that's something that's really hard to teach i mean yes you're working on a big show you've got an ifb you've got an earpiece in in your ear and you've got a team of producers going hey make sure to ask about blah 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 right and so like you're doing less on the fly thinking like we have to do here because there's no right. one telling us shit. um but still you can you can tell when someone's being fed shit for the most part and when it's just naturally part of who they are
0: yeah i'm sure in the beginning it was a whole lot of being fed stuff but after a while it's it's you know as well as i do it's formulaic like it's just wash rinse repeat with a lot of it you know what i mean for those tv spots like that right so mm-hmm. she knows what she's doing she knows how to have conversations you know and she always knew
2: how to have conversations and i think and and that's something that we talk about a lot is don't do interviews, have conversations, right? And we talk about that all the time, and that's sort of our, our style. But Barbara could flip it, Barbara could go from the conversational approach to the grilling you hey, asshole, <laughs> <laughs> we got some important shit to talk about. Yeah, and, yeah, it makes you, know, you think she might have had a dungeon. <laughs> Barbara Walters' dominations by night. Yeah,
0: Yeah, could you imagine?
2: Weirdly, I can. (laughs) Like I'm seeing it very vividly in my head.
0: Wick my boots. Barbara Walters. (laughs) Wick my
2: boots. Wick my boots. Are we being disrespectful? The woman just. I don't know. Rest in peace, Barbara Walters. When I think about it, when I think
0: about it, it's hot. (laughs)
2: 93 years of age uh also on new year's eve uh the pope passed away the pope pope benedict i loved his eggs uh
0: you know here's the thing with the pope thing and Mm. nobody knew (laughs) like it wasn't a big deal it seemed like it was like oh hey the pope died wait which one i know Uh, it was like a couple days
2: later before i saw it on social media
0: i'm like how did i not hear this how did you not hear this that's what they like they got like special special texts that go out to catholics
2: (laughs) don't they i mean i'm not a great catholic i'm not gonna lie to you but like i get a notification when like Tom Brady takes a poo. Like, I feel like I know everything that's going on in the world. Right. And the Pope dies and I stumble across it on social media days later. I'm like crazy. Is this, is this a, what? Okay. Um, So that's that they did the black smoke and all that. And they signaled to everyone outside the Vatican. The Pope is gone. And (laughs) I think that's an internet (laughs) legend. Who knows? You know what? Let's throw well, it out there to the audience. Yeah. See if anyone out there knows more than we do. Tid smartened me up to this internet urban legend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I did some research on it, I found inconclusive results. Exactly. Apparently, there is an urban legend that when the Pope dies, there is a ceremonial hammer. Yeah. <laughs> that they hit him with in the <laughs> three times need to make sure Pope's actually dead. (laughs) Well, I like, think the first one is to make sure, uh,
0: the first one is to make sure that he's like not sleeping. Think like <laughs> if he w- and if he wakes up like whoa, what the fuck? And just like ah shit, turn it over, give him two good solid ones to make sure that he's dead. You he can't be <laughs> going around going, yo, they thought I was sleeping and got out this hammer and smacked me in the forehead with it. That this story can't, can't get out true. of the Vatican. It this can't, can't get out. Be
2: true. When I Googled it, <laughs> when I Googled it, there's all these like urban legend disapproving websites that say you know inconclusive however when you look online there's very few mentions of pope hammer prior to 2003 so it seems like this is a new sort of story that's been brought about but i mean the catholic church is so fucking wacky that it could be real right
0: imagine (laughs) imagine if it's not even if it's not even hammer if it's like something else completely even more morbid or something like that. You know what I mean? And they're sitting there hearing this story going around going shit. Yeah, yeah. You guys just keep thinking it's a hammer.
2: Go it's right ahead. Pope's, it's the Pope's anal beads choking
0: with their dicks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Please. If you are better I'd love Catholic to know if the hammer thing is real. <laughs> Text us at 375 2000. Is there actually rad. a, is there actually a Pope hammer? It's too um, rad not to be real. And then of course to, uh, major deaths of dignitaries come in threes and then the other one um speaking of the uh aforementioned howard stern the oldest serving member of the whack pack fred the elephant boy who i was fortunate enough to meet once uh at, a, uh, at an event in New York. This is going back to about 2002, 2003, somewhere around there. Okay, I got to meet Fred the Elephant Boy at an appearance he was doing. Literally, it was just like handshake. Hello, nice to meet you. And that was about the extent of it. But I had been in contact with Fred over the last two years i'd sent him a bunch of messages trying to get him on the show he wanted to come on the show however he said you guys are so liberal (laughs) because he's a big trump supporter (laughs) so (laughs) not anymore (laughs) jesus god you're such a dick (laughs) uh fred the elephant boy rest in peace Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately that uh, woke up to that news a few days ago um someone who is thankfully not resting in peace tid is a man who um probably most people in north america had never heard of before monday you. night oh uh, not me i am oh. still an unknown But after Monday night or on Monday night, this guy became kind of a household name. And that's Mm. DeMar Hamlin. Yeah. So in case you've been living under a rock this week, DeMar Hamlin, uh, safety for the Buffalo Bills, made a tackle on Monday night football early in the first quarter, looked like a good clean hit, got up, and then fell straight backwards. And it was the weirdest thing Guys, 24 years old, and all of a sudden, there's EMTs on the field. They're performing CPR on this guy. He actually had his heart stop. He had a he had a cardiac arrest on the field. Um, before the uh, the the conspiracy theorists go crazy, no, it was not because he had been vaccinated several months ago. That's not how the vaccine works. That's not how MRNA works. Cardiac events with MRNA. First of all, I don't think there are, uh, heart attacks that have been linked to MRNA. There has been myocarditis, which is a swelling of the heart. They can't even call it a cardiac event because it's so minor. It's a swelling of the heart. It's treated with drugs. You're better in 24 hours. Um. And any heart-related issues from the vaccine happen within 24 hours, not three months later, when the mRNA vaccine has been out of your system for two months. So that's not how that works. And if you're one of those skeptics who goes, you don't know that. Well, yes, I do. Because I understand how mRNA works. And you should, too. (laughs) If you want, we will link some resources on godfathersofpodcasting.com. So you can go learn about how mRNA vaccines work. But Damar Hamlin um, woke up. I think they said it was, was it yesterday he woke up, Tid Or today? Yes,
0: yesterday, today, something like that. <clears throat> he yeah, did so, wake up. He's not communicating yet.
2: Not verbally. I heard he, I was heard he had. Write. I heard he was he's. To, oh, he wrote it. Okay, so he, he did wrote communicate. It. Yeah, and
0: the rumor has it, yeah, that it was who won the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, the response to back to him was you won, uh, you won the game of life. Apparently yeah. was the response. Um, listen, true. when, I, when we talked about this, well, I, I had said, I go, if this, if this kid has any chance whatsoever of pulling out of this, um, it's going to be for a very, very few reasons. I mean, we're talking, here's a guy <clears throat> who is at the peak of his fucking athletic life, 24 years old. Not even
2: in his athletic prime yet.
0: No. No. Still a big and the problem, the problem is the fact that he's only two years into the league. So if something happens to him out of this, he is done no more yeah. checks right? right
2: now i, I would no be very hard pressed in the nfl you'd, baby
0: you'd be very hard pressed but like i said the things that were going to get him out of this were the fact that he is young mm-hmm. he is extremely athletic and it's those two things right there and it looks like it looks like as of right now as of us talking right now that i mean he's going to you know make it out of this he is closer to this side than he is To that side, right? If you know what I mean, right? So, um, I I wish him nothing but the best and a speedy recovery. His football career is clearly done at this point. Um, I mean, I can't ever see him ever being able to get back. I mean, but who knows? His movie is gonna, his movie is fantastic.
2: Yeah, it should be a good movie. Um, but here's the thing when, when all of the conspiracy, like we still don't know what triggered no no, this cardiac no, arrest no. and while the conspiracy theorist did jump on and go it's because he was vaccinated my knee-jerk reaction and this is no more fair to make than it is for the conspiracy theorist to point at vaccines because i don't know anything about this kid i don't know how he lives i don't know what his deal is what i do know is in my career i have known both personally Um, And, you know, just known professionally, many different athletes of all different sports
0: Mm.
2: that have had cardiac events. Very few that were in their early 20s, mind you, but it has happened. And generally, Tid, you see that this happens as a result of some form of drug abuse, whether it was cocaine, whether it was Heroin, whether it was performance enhancing substances, those things have been known to trigger cardiac events, especially if there's an abuse of those substances. Sure. I'm not saying that young Damar Hamlin has been abusing anything. What I'm saying is they're going to get to the bottom. They're not going to be like, well, 24 year old heart attack. Well, they're yeah, yeah, get there's a the the number of that's things. the reason there is no movie. There's a number of things. There's a number of things that it could be. So
0: to speculate, it could be that. It could be the fact that this was a one in a million. He hit him in the chest at the exact beat time. And it just happened to be what they shut off those electrical impulses. And boom, boom. just like that. It could be that there are so many things that. You're right. They should not speculate about it. No. But you know as well as I do that that side, that anti-vax side, right away is going to be very quick to be like, this is why it happened. There's many other reasons why it could very well have happened. You don't know, so go back into your basement.
2: Years ago, um, you know this very well, Ted, and many of our listeners know this, that for many, many years, you know, more than 20 years, I've been coaching basketball at a very, very high level. And I was at a tournament once, uh, and it was in, I want to say Boston or surrounding areas of Boston. do not say it. And I'm trying to remember, motherfucker. <laughs> it's a long time ago. But anyway, we're we're in this tournament. It's a good tournament. And while we're at the hotel we're trying to get word from someone at the tournament. Like we're chilling, it's in between games and we're trying to get word. Hey, what happened with game three? Did uh, so-and-so's team win? What happened? Like, who are we playing next? Blah, blah, blah. That game was postponed. why a kid on the court had a heart attack and we're talking about a high school age kid sure you know like 17 18 years old boom just dropped down now in his case what they found was he had a previously undiagnosed heart condition he just never knew it was there yep exerted himself really hard was breathing really hard boom down now thankfully he was okay I don't know. I never was able to find out. I don't even think I remember the kid's name or anything. I don't know if he ever played again. Lucky. But he was a good player. His name I remember lucky. they said to me, oh, he's number whatever. I can't remember his number. Number 11. Ooh. Who the fuck knows? It's a million years ago. But I remember he was on my scouting report, like, watch out for this motherfucker. He's good. <laughs> you know? And uh, that game never happened because that team ended up pulling right out of the tournament. But, yeah, so it happens. It does happen. Um, You know what doesn't happen, Tid? Me winning the lottery. (laughs) That too. A communist leader decides to invade a tiny little country. Mm -hmm. A war wages for the better part of a year with no end in sight. The tiny little country is beating the piss out of the big country that is trying to take them over sure and then the big country comes out and says hey comrades how about we have a 36 hour ceasefire so we could all celebrate orthodox christmas (laughs) (laughs) what these are not the rules of engagement you don't get to start a fight and go okay time out (laughs) yeah hold on time Time, not it. Okay. The, Safe the, zone. The Russian army is getting their asses kicked yeah. by Ukraine, and they are desperate for some kind of respite. They are desperate for some kind of opportunity, like like in hockey when you got to switch lines. <laughs> the fourth right. line's been out there a long time. And they're trying to switch lines on the fly, and Russia doesn't know how to pull that 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 gimmick off. This is, Ukraine's this is like, their... you want to this... you want a respite? Okay. Get all your troops the fuck out of here. Yeah, this is their
0: Vietnam. That's what they're going to find out about Russia. This is their Vietnam. It's like they thought they were going to go in and march all over this small little fucking territory. And nah, son, y'all got, you know, you got that David and Goliath mentality going on over there, right?
2: You got the leader of Ukraine. You got Zelensky, who's out there on the front lines going... Bring it on. <laughs> like He's got some Bruce Lee energy, you know? Oh,
0: he's got some kind of energy. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that there's
2: some pretty good uh, indications of what that energy might be if you did and it. And it's business. so funny how the, the narrative is just like all the Russian bots and everything that were all over the Internet for the better part of a year and spreading all this misinformation. It's all gone real quiet because they're getting their asses kicked. Yeah,
0: well, quiet. I mean... They need that. They need that. Uh, those resources working elsewhere, I guess, right?
2: <laughs> so no orthodox Christmas for the troops in Russia. Sorry, guys. Maybe you next might wanna, You might want to. You might want to just wave the white flag and go. Fuck it. Yeah. We tried. Yeah. We're yeah. Out.
0: Go home. Go home. Still, when nothing that says you can't do this again some other time.
2: Like, maybe <laughs> not.
0: Or maybe not. <laughs> No, I mean, morals say that they shouldn't, but there's really, there's, (laughs) okay, who's to say that they don't, they're like, okay, whatever, and then go back and try again next year,
2: wait till the weather's warm at least. Here's a story, Tid, uh, from Hollywood, former professional wrestler Dave Bautista Mm -hmm. has revealed in a recent interview that he is done with the Drax character in the Marvel Universe, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 uh, is the franchise? He's a, Guardians of the Galaxy. Is the franchise? He's a part of the third installment. Part three comes out in May, and Batista is confirming this is his last time playing the character of Drax. Now, this could be a big spoiler. There are rumors that have been going around for the last little while that one or more of the Guardians will be killed in this third film. If he's confirming he's not back, he might be the one or one of the ones. Getting offed. Uh, Batista says he's relieved to be done with Drax. It was a pain in the ass doing the makeup. It's a pain in the ass being the goofy comic relief. Come on, buddy. And he's excited to do more dramatic roles uh, like his one in Glass Onion and uh, M. Night Shyamalan's new two-part movie uh, that that, he's about to be featured in.
0: You mean that serious role like when he was in Stuber? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see Stuber. How was his performance? Uh, Well, he was not the professional comedian
2: in the movie. That's for sure. I mean, first of all, he wants to be taken more seriously as a dramatic actor. When's the last time someone thought of an M. Night movie and said, you know what comes to mind when I think of M. Night Shyamalan's movies? Great acting. (laughs) Um
0: You know what always comes to mind whenever I think of M. Night Shyamalan and Ding Dong's movies is, oh, this is going to start off pretty decent. And then by the end, you're going to be you're going to be able to tell when they lost all of their budget. And they're like, ah, shit, everybody get a fucking diorama together so we can shoot this last fucking scene here. (laughs) About halfway through.
2: About halfway oh, through, it turns into an Ed right? Wood project. Just just wrap it up. Wrap seriously.
0: It up. Seriously. <laughs> unbelievable. Man, Fucking that... M. Night Shyamalan. Well, good luck to Dave Bautista. Serious um, actor, Dave Batista.
2: I hope he does well. He... Hey, listen.
0: Listen. Now, everybody, you know, remember you saw Uncut Gems? Yeah. There's a guy who's a comedian- Actor that everybody like. He only does comedy. You know what I mean? And then look at yeah, what okay, Uncut but, Gems
2: did. Okay, that's a good point. But at the same time, okay. Sandler, Adam Sandler, mature Adam Sandler in the few movies he's done as a as a serious dramatic actor, he's really good. Hey, like I Dave like Batista, him that way when he's not doing Dave that. Dave Batista <laughs> was a world champion. <laughs> Dave Batista was a world champion.
0: I'll have you know. Was Adam Sandler ever a world champion? Huh? in his own
2: mind yeah um, Bank. uncut gems is a beautiful film it's one of my favorites on netflix right now fantastic um, hustle is a great film right more mature sandler i love that movie yeah did you see it no nope. i know you're not a fan of round ball but no nope. you never got around nope. to it. it's a good film nope. okay dick um, <laughs> this guy sells nothing <laughs> he just he won't put my shit over at yeah. all. Yeah, good movie. Yeah, sure it is. You're a nerd though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um very quickly before we get to our guest Ted, um we talked about uh a few things that happened right on or before new year's eve really weird story that came out and i don't know all the details on this maybe you know more than i do what the hell was going on in mexico dana white slapped his girlfriend on new year's eve
0: yeah they got into a bit of an altercation of the ufc
2: president dana white
0: yeah got into a bit of an altercation uh anna his wife and himself drinking at a club oh wait is his uh, wife or
2: girlfriend no. wife a wife, a wife. The report yes, I said, that, saw girlfriend. No, no, that would explain is, a lot if there's a wife it, and a girlfriend. It's his wife. Um, okay. she has
0: come, she has come out, not that there's any kind of excuse for it or anything like that. Uh-huh. Um, she's come out and said already that, like, yeah, we were drinking, yeah, I started it, yeah, I hit him first. Um, re irregardless, uh, it's going to be a really tough thing for anybody, especially somebody who has said on camera in the past it's really hard to come back from hitting a woman yeah. right he said that well, about his you're gonna it you're gonna you're gonna in you're gonna have to choke on those words unfortunately a little bit dana yeah you're gonna have to choke on those words right um has you know do you think, the, his, wife do you think his wife was auditioning ever do you think nope. his wife was on? do you know his wife was auditioning nope. for his new power nope. slap no Nope, nope, no nope. nope. <laughs> I'm not even not even entertaining it. You, I didn't or... say he
2: was. I said his wife, because she hit him nope. first, right? Uh, absolutely not. Um, By the way, I'm it's... really confused. He is he has been promoting the hell out of this new venture, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows Dana White is the figurehead of UFC. Mm-hmm. This new company called Power Slap, mm-hmm. where two people stand across each other, like across a little podium, and smack yep. each other in the face. Yes. I don't see how this has legs. I don't see how this thing. Well, is no, going. it's it's hands. <laughs> Set them up perfectly <laughs> for that. one. It's hands. Yeah, no, I don't it. see like how many ways can you win a fight? I slap. Well, okay, that well, was really hard. Cool. Can't answer the, the bell. Guy,
0: slap. Can't answer the bell or a knockout, and they got dudes standing behind. Their goal is to catch the heads. But I, if dude listen, goes down,
2: I watched a two-minute trailer of this, and I'm like, okay, yeah. I get it. I don't think I can watch a whole night of this. Yeah, Never mind, will. like monthly. Yeah, you will. Remember you when?
0: Remember when? Pe- yeah, remember when people thought that you couldn't watch UFC fights all night long? That's different,
2: man. Ah,
0: uh, no. Got to go back to the old school days. That's like watching watch a it.
2: really cool rock band or watching a guy with a tuba. Like, okay, tuba. Like, I saw it. Like, oh, wow. you got what like, do you got against the tuba, man? I used to play the tuba, but there's only so much you can do with the tuba. Like, that's it. <laughs> boom, used boom, to... boom, and that's it. That's all you got. Three wow!
0: Notes. Wow! <laughs> so did the I'd Sex Pistols. Really good band. So did the Sex Pistols. Look at what they did with Three Notes.
2: <laughs> sex Pistols are great, and they didn't have a tuba. They should have. They would have had another three fucking notes in there. <laughs> <band. laughs> Three chords and a tuba. <laughs> you know what? There's a punk band waiting to happen there. Three, ska three, band, chords, three chords and a chords tuba. And a tuba. <laughs> Maybe our next guest will be part of that band with me. I want to. I want to find out, ladies and gentlemen. It is time right now for the big hello. And this week's guest first joined us on the show about I don't know 14 months ago, and it was a huge thrill for me. I've been a fan of the band. The Trues that he co-founded ever since the early 2000s and clearly so with many of you. The last time he was on the feedback from our audience was great. So we just had to bring him back on. Although this time he joins us solo so he doesn't have to share the stage with his bandmate. The Trues have been grinding for 20 years and during that time they've released seven studio albums, five EPs, a compilation and a fuck ton of singles. He's one of the few men I look at and think his hack game might be as strong as mine. Brothers in Brims. Uh, now, despite rumors that I just read on the internet, his band has not changed drummers twice since I started this intro. Those are just rumors. The Trues are about to launch a wild U.S. tour starting January 24th in Boston, then heading out to New York, Buffalo, Philly, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Indy, Chicago. But before he does all that, taking some time out for us ladies and gentlemen i'm like a broken melody i need some harmony what's a verse without a chorus line i want to play i want to celebrate i want to sing along with everybody i'm not all right i'm here alone at night give it up for guitarist extraordinaire this is john angus mcdonald
1: what's up guys how's it going how are you buddy i didn't bring my tuba it would have been appropriate
2: if we're gonna start a band I got to play the tuba because that's all I got.
1: (laughs) Sounds like you know what you're doing and you already got the name, you already got the name picked out. So we're good.
2: Three chords and a tuba. What do you think?
1: Three chords and the tuba.
2: I'm not lying, man. It it is like a dream of mine to, uh, to have, like I I've always wanted to be a rock star. Let's, let's face it. Every kid wants to be a rock star. Good job. The thing is I don't have any talent. So Mm. that's kind of been an obstacle, but I would love to one day find a way to piggyback on friends that are rock stars and be a part of at least a hit song. Like, that would be really cool. Like, you know? Wait, hold on, hold on,
0: hold on, hold on. on. Are you (laughs) pitching to be a hype man for the trues? Oh, my God. That would be so cool. Yeah, man. Like the flavorless Flav. (laughs) Uh, Standing in the corner. Yeah, Flavorless
2: (laughs) Flav.
1: Do it, man you know just just come out to one of these US shows we'll get you up and you can you can introduce us and maybe throw down some a tuba solo or something
2: oh yeah dude i will throw something down you know or some <laughs> some like some freestyle rhymes you know like whatever you want like we can we can we can like play with the genres a little bit
1: totally i'm i'm down it's like <laughs> punk rock tuba music we're just we're just mashing up mashing things up
2: i got um I got something here that I want to share. Uh, um, and let me just grab this right here. Um, because the last time you were on our show, you weren't alone.
1: Quote, okay. Are you gonna quote me or quote one of us? As no, I'm gonna uh, early on. And it was the four of us in a van touring all over like we couldn't really
2: deal with what was them.
1: happening, you know, like having going from Nobody giving a shit to like having a number one single and opening for the Rolling Stones, and then going on tour with Robert Plant and having more hits and all the success that got a little bit in everybody's head. But that was a long time ago, and and uh in order to survive, we just kind of, you know, stay humble and, and and keep working hard at it, you know, and trying to get better at it. I mean, that's my answer. I don't know, maybe one.
2: <laughs> I think Michelle wants this to jump in. This but... won't
1: shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: so now you're solo
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i got nobody to uh, i got nobody to shut up now I got...
2: <laughs> how often does that happen where you feel like you can't get a word in uh
1: you know i do prefer being interviewed solo and not not because i need the spotlight i just find that there's less of that happening you know the worst is when i'm used to go as like a, all four or five of us would go in and then everybody starts to talk at the same time it's like actually i think so that's the only reason that i don't love it but otherwise you know it's It's all the same, we're kind of of used to each other's answers too. I could probably answer as Colin by now, and he could probably answer as me. Uh, So yeah, it's just a little easier of a flowing conversation, it's just one-on-one or or one-on-two or however, however you put it.
2: You've done hundreds, thousands of interviews over your career. Do you ever find that A, you get the same bank of questions over and over and over, and do you ever find that when you hear some of these cliche questions, you have that rubber stamp answer that you've always given, and now you're not even sure if that answer is real. It's just what you've always said. So two, two things about
1: that. One is like, there's no such thing as a, as like a boring question, if it's coming from a sincere place, like okay. if the person wants to know, like genuinely wants to know something, then mm-hmm. you can sort of tell. The worst is the non-question. Like, so what can people expect tonight? Or, you know, like, <laughs> tell us about your band. That's not really a question. You know, like those are just like lazy interviewers, you know, um, but the, the other thing is, uh, you know, the, you know, pilots to be really good, you have to be able to fly just on, you have to be instrument trained, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you don't have to be able to see. And yeah. I feel like sometimes you can just go into your instrument training just and I, I consider that like almost like autopilot. Like you're just, um, like like what you just said, you know, you just start r- like rattling off the things you've been saying for 15, 20 years. And you're like, God, am I really saying this again? <laughs> you right. know, and, and it's almost like flying blind. I don't know if that's the right analogy because it's actually harder to fly blind. But, um, you know, just like you're just rolling into the sort of auto thing that you know how to do. And it's those are the sort of least captivating interviews to listen to. I think not just to do, but I think that's why podcasting has become so popular. It's because you get to go into these other nooks and crannies of conversation mm-hmm. that. Uh, you can't cover in, in a five-minute hit between commercials or between, uh, you know, radio play songs or whatever. So I think that's why podcasting has become so popular. Why that's why I love it.
0: Have you ever bounced? Like, from an interview? Like, has it ever like I just got to the point where you're like, <laughs> you know what? I'm not walking doing this today, man.
1: Uh, I don't think I've ever walked out. No, I don't think you're I, have. Like, <laughs> I, know, I have. such
0: a fucking Canadian. I know.
1: I have, I've never bounced, but I have, like, shut some questions yeah. down and like been like we're not talking about that and that usually oh. leads to to something very um just becomes so awkward that they shut it down you you, you, know? do you
0: find it like the interview after that just kind of takes a weird little not awkward, only just like, not only the uh, interview but like but like the energy
1: not all interviews are like this where I can put my laptop down and I'm go downstairs and my kids are sleeping you know but like uh, I like think it's more awkward if you're in person and not only right. the mic goes off and then you're like, okay, well, bye. <laughs> you know, right. you just had this sort of awkward encounter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you still have to sort of see them for another five minutes. But, uh, you know, that's very, very few and far between. Most people are professional and they, they want to get something good for their show or whatever they're doing. And you're trying to get something out there. So, you know, as long as everybody's got, you know, the right sort of idea about what they're there for, you usually don't end up in a fight or anything like that.
2: Last question I wanna ask you about the dynamic of uh, doing those group interviews, those ensemble interviews, when you have the whole band together or like it was with us last time, maybe just you and Colin. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Is it just every band? Like, is there just an unwritten rule that the lead vocalist thinks they got to answer all the questions first?
1: I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they certainly are used to to going first and getting all the attention. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I'm a pretty outspoken person myself. And I, we've, I've done my fair share as well. But to be honest, man, it's, it doesn't really bother me. You know, I, I was just right. kind of making light of it that last time. You know, it doesn't. Of course. At this point, it's, it's all it's all good.
2: We're just, we're trying to see if we can, like, you know. Start something. Just,
0: just and it's easy, to, it's easy to do when it's your brother, too, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, when it's your brother, it's like, eh, fuck it. We've you all know, had right?
1: Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving dinners, too, you know? Like, so, I, I mean... So th- Trust me, it's gotten more heated in real life than it'll ever get on on a Zoom call. Right. You know?
0: of now if you ever okay, okay, because we were talking about this pre-show and we didn't really talk about it yet. Has I it ever got so heated? About. Has it ever got so heated that you ended up like uh, who was it? Uh, Harry and uh, what what's the other brother?
2: Prince Harry just revealed in his new book that Prince William physically William. assaulted him while they were having an argument about wife Meghan Markle. And I'm like, isn't that just brother shit?
1: Yeah, I don't think I'd classify it as assault. <laughs> <You're>
0: right? Right? <laughs> no, no, he broke his necklace. He pushed him down and oh, broke his that's necklace. So, that's so royal.
1: It's like so royal of a move. <laughs> and it's such a royal way- thing to, com- like, it's such a royal complaint. He, 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 <laughs> he right? my necklace. I don't know. I, it, it just seems odd. I, we've definitely come to blows a number of times. I mean, it's like you guys have brothers. I don't know. Like, it's just the oh, yeah. way it goes, you know. I, I got a I, sister, so when we were young, I beat the I, shit I, out of her. I once hit him over the head with a shovel. You know, wow, <laughs> a it, shovel. When we, yeah, when we were younger, like we were shoveling the driveway, and we got so we were like doing it together, right. and we were fighting, and I got so pissed, I hit it with my shovel. All right, uh, you know. So but that, you know, that's just brother stuff, you know. Exactly.
0: That's what I was saying when he was telling well, me the story. I, I I've guess, done that.
1: I guess I might be brought up on charges. That, like my twelve-year-old self hit my brother with a shovel, so now I've, I've assaulted
2: him. I guess. Was this like pre-making music? You're just fighting about like Lego or something, or is this like I want a solo?
1: Well, I remember <laughs> we shoveling a driveway in Saint John's, Newfoundland. It's a, sh- it's a shit job. So plastic <laughs> plastic
0: <laughs> snow shovel.
1: So yeah, I think shovel? so. Wow. I think they were. Somebody was probably complaining that the other was doing all the work. So. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. We have a question that just came in from a listener, 437 375 on WhatsApp. It says, hey, J.A., huge fan, curious to know, is there a solo project in your future?
1: Um, I, no, not in the immediate future. I, I have, like everybody else in our band, we, I have like a, a back catalog of things that I've accumulated since we've been writing and recording songs um, that maybe someday I'll put together and we'll and will be a project. But for the time being, like, we're pretty happy with the collaborative way that we make music. And I find that all my ideas are made better by my bandmates, as much as I hate to admit it, and and <laughs> vice versa. You know, their ideas, I think, are made better by their bandmates, and we sort of like to punch each other's stuff up. You know, I know we we're just talking about literal punching, but but figuratively, like, I think, you know, and also we combine songs. like. A, co-writing the more we co-write becomes more like throwing things together you know like yeah it, you know Colin shows me something I am like I like that chorus but I think I think this is better try, let's try this for the verse and I'll bring something in and then that becomes like a, a song unto itself so for the time being that that seems to work to, it seems to improve everybody's material so I think we'll just keep going going that way with it you know and then you know, maybe someday I can put all mine together and put a bow on it and call it
2: my own, but I'm not in any rush. The songwriting process always fascinates me because, you know, when you when you hear a final product, I'm so interested in the process. Like, how did it get there, right? And yeah. I'm wondering if with the trues, for example, is there a standard or does it depend track to track? Like, is it a situation where someone will write lyrics mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, let's figure out what this song sounds like or will you be riffing on a guitar and then someone will be like you know just la 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 and then figure out the words as you go like is there a typical process for you guys no i mean the main there's no main way it's that it's done
1: i mean we tend to overwrite and it can be frustrating like but we're going in the studio next week uh just to do a few songs before we go on tour and we have a a drop box with about like 30 song ideas in it. And some of them are more finished than others, but we don't, of those 30, it's it's kind of, we're still in this like wide open phase where like, that could become seven songs or we could record one and 29 will stay on the back burner. And like, we, it's kind of a long painstaking process. Um, always worth it in the end, but never really one way. As far as like the moment of creation, like which I think you're referring to, like normally somebody starts with something, you know, and then everybody else sort of pitches in. Colin will always carry most of the lyrical burden because he's the guy that has to sing them night after night after night. So he wants to like them. He wants to. So even if we have these great suggestions, he's like, "Well, I want to make them my own because I gotta, I gotta sing them every night. I gotta be convincing." So he he sort of shoulders that burden. But you know, he's very open to like melodic ideas that we throw his way, and vice versa. He writes great riffs, and he'll throw them my way. And so it's never it's never really one way. Um, I wish it was because then it would be. Repeatable. You know, people always talk about bands being a product of chemistry, but it's not really mm-hmm. chemistry because if it was chemistry, it'd be repeatable. It'd be like a science that you could always repeat. And it's not that way. It's a, a closer thing to alchemy, you know, where it's like uh, you never know today. You might throw like an eyeball and, uh, you know, the finger of a leprechaun and like right. <laughs> witch's hair into a cauldron. And one day it'll be this and the next day it'll be something totally different. Sorry for the weird medieval medieval analogy, <laughs> but... But, you know, it's less of a uh, less of a science because science is repeatable and in in music and in creation, that's unfortunately not the case.
0: Has anybody ever brought up concept album yet?
1: No, I I, I envy the concept album composer. I feel like they have to be so focused, Um, you know, like we end up uh, running around in many different directions while we're making records. And uh, our last record is a perfect example of that. And. I think all of our records are in their own way, but like to stay so on point topically for 12 to 20 songs seems, I don't know. I, I, it's, I, I My hat's off to people that can do that. That That is a wild thing to, to right. for me. You know, Roger Waters doing 20 songs about the same thing or developing the same story is kind of wild.
0: Yeah, it always baffled me like I was a big Queensryche fan. You know what I mean? Growing up operation mind crime was one of those albums like that, you know, and it's just like, but I could listen to it over and over and over still to this day. It's just like, and it just baffles me how people can keep that flow going. You know what I mean? And Uh, I think
1: like, I think like a loose association, Like, like Colin was going through a particular breakup around our second record. And a lot of the songs are about that time in his life, but but that's really loose and, and if we right. know them and we know where the stories came from and all this kind of stuff, but to be like, like every song has to push the narrative forward, like, you know, who did it good recently is Joel Plaskett with Ashtray Rock. I don't okay. know if you guys are Plaskett fans, another East Coast, great East Coast songwriter, but he made a, like a 12, 13 song record about a relationship in his youth and like it was like a something that got complicated and went south, but every single song is about the story, so I mean, I applaud that. Like I said, the kind of focus and like clarity it takes to write that thread through many songs, I, we haven't attempted it.
2: Hmm. Um, we have a, uh, another email or excuse me, text message, uh, question that just came in on WhatsApp 437 2000. This one says, John Angus, when you come home, what's your favorite place to eat?
1: Home to Hamilton or home to Nova Scotia? People could claim a... uh,
2: Sorry, I, I, I missed the bottom part. It says he's writing from Battle Harbor, Newfoundland. So I'm guessing this is an East Coast question.
1: Home to Newfoundland, too. Like I, So I grew up, I was born in Nova Scotia. I grew up in St. John's. And now I live in Hamilton. And there, people always say, welcome home. No what, right. A lot of places. Uh, Newfoundland, I was there this summer because my wife and I had our, our 10th year anniversary. And we, uh, we went Congrats. to Newfoundland without the kids. Thanks and uh i we ate some amazing food i'm going to like space out and like completely not be able to plug them right now but i'm just <laughs> going to go to the classic Chess's fish and chips for st johns newfoundland cuz that'll that'll please the locals and it's uh, i hope it's still there damn it was like the most amazing place to get fish and chips when i was growing up there but um
2: that's but not yeah, on I'll george street is it
1: it's not no it was up um near uh where i went to gray uh Harrington. I don't even think that school's there anymore either. Okay. I'm um, um, La Merchant Road is where it was.
2: Okay. Okay. Um There you go. This this uh listener has a part 2 here and it's kind of a joke. <laughs> All right. It says what do you call a maritimer that doesn't eat seafood? I don't know. I never a, heard this one. A, a tourist. <laughs> <laughs> but then are not a maritimer. I I know. It's such a that's dumb That's horrible. That's a... dumb. <sighs> sorry you're suspended it might might be a performance-based joke maybe (laughs) there's a dance better after a
1: little screech exactly yeah exactly
2: (laughs) um again we i want to rewind a little bit we talk about the songwriting process and we talk about what that's like and it's not a scientific process it really is an artistic endeavor to get each song pulled out of the band Mm. There are so many bands, and I don't need to name names, but there are so many bands that you could listen to a song you've never heard before, and you instantly know, oh, that's Rage Against the Machine. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's Queen. That's whoever, right? Is that ever a fear for you, or is that something you strive for?
1: To be so identifiable that you know it on first listen?
2: Instantly. Is that a scary pigeonhole or is that a is that somewhere is that a sweet spot for a band
1: i think you want to leave a, a sort of stamp like you know okay. like like i think of angus young and I, every time i hear acdc i could tell it's him you know and right. i i don't hold that against him i think that's a sign of like somebody with a real original stamp you know on his instrument or if you hear john bonham play drums it's like i it instantly identify i think that's a good thing i think like i mean as far as like you don't want to be in a band that ends up Rewriting the same song over and over to the point where the audience is rolling their eyes, you know If that if that's where you're driving at, but I think as far as like having your own distinct flavor on the instrument I think that's sort of the sort of the goal like bright Brian May from Queen I think of guitar players and people that you could recognize within a quarter second of the riff You can just tell from the sound. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's the goal, you know
0: Have you been able, have you been able to? You say, you say with the sound, though, like, how hard is it? How many times have you gone through different configurations, different pedals, different, like, you know what I mean? The yeah. setup, so different to to find that sound that is yours. Well, you know what I, I mean?
1: You know what's funny about that? Uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of players about this over the years. No matter how hard you try, it's just in the end, it still sounds like you. You know, like, I, I've been through dozens of pedal boards and hundreds of pedals, right? you know, and, and amps and guitars. And I've been through right. my, my collection is, is just crazy. And what'd you start with? I started with a Washburn. Like, my, I learned on my dad's Guild, he had like a nice okay. 70s Guild acoustic. But then the first electric guitar in the house was a, a Washburn bought from Hutton's Music, downtown St. John's, Newfoundland, and a Rock Tech amp that's essentially a, a toy. Okay. Um, and my brother and I shared it. Uh, and then once I had my my first guitar that I owned to myself was an Epiphone Casino that I got when I was 15. It's like a semi hollow uh, electric guitar. Yeah. And then in grade 12, I got my first Les Paul. And that's Ooh, Gibson's have been my guitars ever yeah. since. So. But, yeah, I, but getting back to that tone thing, I think so much of it is just built into your hands and you and, you know, you, you try this, you try that and you try like chasing this and chasing that. Then in the end, you just sound like yourself. And, um, you know, it's not such a bad thing. You just have to, like, play to your strengths, you know, right. um, play like the, the good the things you do well, lean into that, you know, and, and then you end up with your own
2: your own thing. Speaking of guitar. um Our pal George Strombolopoulos posted something on social media recently, which I thought was really fascinating. And I wanted to get your take on it. Uh, He played a clip from Frank Zappa talking about his approach to life. Mm -hmm. And Zappa said he gets asked all the time, you know, what kind of guitarist is he? And how good a guitarist is he? And he's like, uh, you can't, you can't, compare me to other guitarists great clip right and he talks about other guitarists are technically perfect and they'll play something and it's perfect and it's beautiful and me i got just a little bit of imagination like in the moment i'm just sort of going to freestyle and figure out what needs to happen in that spot yeah yeah, and it's probably going to be different every time i play live and i'm wondering like what's your response to that type of mentality as it comes to being a guitarist
1: well I think Frank Zappa plays guitar like a songwriter where he's much more concerned with the composition than he is with the execution and I feel right. like I feel like Bob Dylan you know if you ever seen Bob Dylan play in the last Great twenty example, years, he, yeah. he plays a lot of lead guitar and like he doesn't play lead guitar like a like a shredder he plays it like a songwriter and songwriters have a certain approach guys who's mind is in a different they're in the, the place of creation they're in the place of construction of melody and of movement uh, and of emotion uh more than they are in execution mode you know so that that's that's the that, to me everything he said would make perfect sense and i know a lot of guitar players like that like what frank Zappa was describing um but yeah you know it to each their own you know some guys like one of my favorite guys is jeff Beck, and he's a very uh you know execution based kind of dude and he still gets there emotionally so i mean there's so many different ways to to skin a cat you know in that way um so i I, but i did love that clip and i I love george he's a good pal and he's got he always fires off some some cool stuff on his on his feeds
2: yeah good guy um we have another one that just came in it says here um hey you're talking a lot about guitarists curious to know who do you listen to that still makes your jaw drop makes you say, Holy shit. How did they do that?
1: Like technically, technically I think like the Landreth brothers, the Canadian dudes blues guitar players. They're incredible. Um, Derek trucks, I think is probably one of the greatest living guitar players. I mean, slide is his thing. But I mean, just musician. He's such an amazing musician. And then there's uh, Warren Haynes, another guy that are you know. I'm thinking about guys that are currently mm-hmm. still doing it. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, th- those are three or four off the top of my head that are just um, you know, I-, I sort of marvel at their abilities.
2: There's another one that I lo- I love this question because I just find this so fascinating. Four three seven three seven five two thousand. This just came in on text. Um, and the question it's a really long one so i'm going to summarize but basically what it says is can you talk about some of the shittiest places you've played with the shittiest green rooms because the Trues are a great band you guys have grinded it out you play really solid venues but you've played shitty ones too right yeah so can you talk about because for those i guess this is an aspirational thing right for those guys that are in their (laughs) band right now and they're playing yeah. those dingy shitholes. They want to know that they can, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that they can get to that next
0: level.
1: Well, in the realm of like famously shitty dinge holes, yeah, I-, I was pretty like flabbergasted at just how disgusting CBGB was. We we played CBGB twice, and we were actually one of the last shows in it before they tore it down and took the awning to Vegas or whatever. But like that place was like it lived up to its hype as like a punky dive bar like there was no Mm. doors on the bathroom stalls there was no toilet seat it was just a kind of a hole you know and there was just like crap all over the walls and i mean the only good thing about it is it did sound good in there like and i think i guess that's why all those punk bands got off on playing there because they put the bass bins under the stage so when you're raging you felt like the biggest band in the world even if there's only like seven people there you still felt like like giants. And I imagine that's why the Ramones and Patti Smith and all these people loved playing there. Cause they probably yeah. felt like Kings amongst men. Uh, but that place was dive. I mean, really did live up to that, to that. But type. did
0: it feel different? Did it feel different? Like when you're like, you're, you're going, Holy shit. It says here, we're playing CBGBs. Yeah. Like that first time, C- you know what I mean? And, and that we, first time though. Right.
1: We jumped at it because of the, because of the legend. We're like, yeah, right. we want to, we want to play CBs. We want to yeah. be a, a part of that. <laughs> Fuck, yeah, uh, you do, and I think we had good shows. I just, I just remember being like, holy, they, they did not fix this place up one bit. Like, bands that have played here are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they haven't even put like a new coat of paint, you know, right. on anything. But I guess that might like, I don't know, tarnish the image. But, but another time we got booked to play a place, and I'll never remember the name, but it was in Montreal, and it was in the late '90s, early aughts. and
2: the place—oh, Club Super Sex
1: is that was it did we all no. tell you this story wasn't that it was something club. no no i think it was x or something it was something x <laughs> but no as soon as you said the x thing I, but maybe it wasn't sex but um <laughs> no this place does this ring a bell it was like a punk downtown punk venue that also doubled as like a shelter like it was, it was a shelter for electric. homeless people is that it i don't know I no it was like movie. it was it was a really crazy place like people that were okay. Junkies on the street could stay there, and people that were like really tough cases, and but they could come, and then they'd also put on free shows. And we got booked there, I think by mistake, because we were doing our brand of like kind of throwback rock, and every other band's like a hardcore metal band, and they weren't having us at all. And and there was uh, we were, I remember there being like an upper level to the place, and we were getting beer dumped on us as we played, um, and t- some guy came up to call and, up and pulled a knife and told us to get the fuck out of there and and then i guess the only saving grace was the sound guy who happened to be female sound woman same person it was a saving grace because she came up and she disarmed this guy in a way that a a guy would have escalated it you know if some guy was like put that thing away man or whatever all oh, would have went like and she was just like it'd oh, be cool and she kind of like oh, and suddenly the knife was gone and this guy was back and we finished our set and we left um but yeah wow. I, 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 I yeah I don't know if that place survived or whatever, but it was definitely one of the more shocking uh, experiences.
2: The other part to that question was the green rooms, and I'm I'm reflecting too because my co-host here, Tid, last month, uh, John Angus, he celebrated twenty six years as a professional wrestler, had his last match of his career. Wow! And some
1: Tom Brady numbers right there, right. <laughs> That's good. He never shit, but (laughs) well, still, that's a very physical job, and to be at it for that that long, that's amazing.
2: But um, I know that from working on shows with Tid and being at shows with Tid, and and even from stories, Tid, there's times your dressing rooms were so shit. Like the roster couldn't even sit because there was no room. Right, guys had to stand and. You, you oh yeah, to, you're like you're, you're, getting, getting, you're getting changed. Yes, <laughs> and share it with the fans. Like
0: you're getting changed in yeah. the kitchen while they're <laughs> cooking food for the people out there or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah those, no, those exist.
1: There's too many of those to count. I mean, like I don't even know where to begin. You know, is like, there like, one that jumps place...
2: out at you that you just it's go? Like, what do some places doing? that you
1: expect to be amazing are not yeah. that amazing? Like you know. I could think of a few recent examples, but I just don't want to not get rebooked there. You know, <laughs> um, but you know, like there, there is some, you know, there, there's some places that could use some help. You know, the the worst thing you said it. The worst thing is just when you don't have your own space. You know, like when you're yeah. when you're there and you're in the staff room suddenly. And in fact, we got ripped off at a place in Philly because it was also the staff room, and they were coming and going, and I don't know if they were bringing people with them, but like. We got robbed, like while we were on stage. Half our stuff was gone when we got back. Another time, Colin had his passport robbed from a dressing room because it wasn't just wasn't secure.
0: Where was uh, this? Other...
1: In Philly. Philly was the place where we got our dressing oh, room got robbed. No,
0: no, you didn't get robbed. You got initiated. I got initiated. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I'm, now, I'm, now I'm a Philadelphian. I guess. Apparently, yeah. yeah. Now yeah. you can rob somebody when you go there. Oh, that's cool. a that's another place <laughs> you know can that, call home. We're going
1: we're going back, so I'll have to I'll have to play that card.
2: Yeah, that's another place you can now call home. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll come down yeah. to Philly. And when you go there, go to Pat's and get a cheese stick. Bring on the cheese stick, yeah. Um, let me ask you, because you've got this U.S. tour that's about to kick off mm-hmm. um, the end of this month. I looked at the uh, the tour dates. Oh, my God. You guys are, are leaving very few gaps <laughs> as you yeah. go from city to city. You're just yeah. cramming them all in there. Yeah. Um, what's it like? For a band like yourselves, um, who's had such great success in Canada, when you go south of the border, does it feel different? Is it a point of pride? Like we need to do great shows in the US in order to feel like we're really at that next level? Or is it just, hey, look, it's more tour dates and we're gonna go and there's a market and there's an audience. Is is there something to that? Is there is there a different approach to an American audience? I mean, the answer is no,
1: mostly. Like we don't approach any show differently than any other show. We we sure. try not to, you know, and, and like certain nights things will get in your head, you know, but you try not to do we just try not to do it. We try to bring every the same energy to every show, which is all in. But um you know, you'll notice the dates the cities we picked, you know, are the ones that are sort of are, are those are our are better markets in the states. We learned early on that you gotta kind of pick off what you can what you can chew. Uh, because we've tried doing America. America is huge, man. And it's it's spread out and it's diverse as in like what they listen to in Texas, they don't listen to in Oklahoma, what they listen to in Oklahoma, yeah. they don't listen to in Nebraska. What listen... So we sort of identified the places that we have a following. We have a decent following and we have people that come out again and again. And uh, and we try to focus on those places. And, and some, some of them have turned into some of our best markets. So it, as far as like, you know, Pick your battles. Figure out where you do well. Play to your audience, and then uh, just play at the top of your game all the time, no matter what. You know, S- certain things are going to get in your way, and maybe someday some days some got a sore throat or somebody's. But you know, play play to the top of your abilities every time you you get a chance.
2: Years and years and years ago, I I and this story comes to mind because of what we're talking about. Years ago, I was um, wanting to go see The Tragically Hip. Mm-hmm. And they were performing, and it was a sold out show. I think it was at the Air Canada Center. If it wasn't the Air Canada Center, it was another huge venue. Yeah. Um, and the show was completely sold out, and the tickets were more than I cared to spend at that point yeah, in yeah. my life. Sure. And I remember I was planning a trip to go down south to visit family in PA, and I saw that there was a stop on their loop that was going to be in Pennsylvania. I'm like, well, fuck!
0: I'll yeah. just
2: go there. And the tickets were a fraction of the price. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so here I am, and you know, just outside the Poconos, and I go to see the Tragically Hip at a pretty cool venue. It's not the Canada Centre; it's a smaller venue, but pretty cool. And I was blown away. There was 200 people.
1: Yeah, and I was yeah. like,
2: what the fuck? This is the Tragically Hip. I, well, I was so. I think,
1: regardless of audience size, I think. If I had a chance to see a band in a venue that size, I'd always pick the venue that size. Just just for
2: oh no, the venue was I mean. much bigger than that. The venue was much bigger, so it right. looked sparse. Right, right, right. So it, it just like, yeah, I saw the um I saw the uh what do you call it? Um oh my god. <laughs> I just saw um oh my god their name just slipped my mind and they're one of my favorite bands of all time so, jesus
1: uh, i'll take over for a second you can think about it but i know so many of my family members because we're all we're like we grew up as like a hip family you know like uh we're all fans um and like my sister saw them in edinburgh scotland for 150 people like yeah, in, in the last 10 years of their career um and my I'm, my brother colin saw them out in la once we were all friends but it, like playing a much smaller venue and but I mean, you know, as much as that might frustrate them, mm-hmm. I, I think that is as, as a fan, that's a pretty cool opportunity that you can drive four hours down the road and see them, you know, play for two hundred people and play like, you know, play their hearts out again for a, a a group of people that might not be their biggest diehard fans. I mean, again, blessing, curse, whatever you want to call it, but I I would be cherishing those moments as a fan. You know?
2: The one I was thinking of, sorry, it was the Roots. Oh yeah! Um, I saw The Roots in Philadelphia. They did a private show for about 150 people in a tiny little bar. Like, recently? And it was like a. It, this was before COVID. Okay. All right. Um. So it was a tiny. But, uh, that's t-
1: after Fallon. Like, obviously, they're already Fallon. They're on right?
2: Fallon. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and right. this was a private thing and it was like invite only. They didn't announce it. Right. They weren't mm. even selling tickets. It was just like, we're doing some new shit and yeah. we're inviting some people to come check it out. This tiny little bar it's in the Philly.
1: Best I've ever seen in my life. have been club shows. Like I saw two Tibber, you know, toots in the Maytals. I saw them play at Lee's palace. Yeah. And I saw Jesse Mallon play. at call the office in London. And I've seen, you know, Rich Robinson from the Black Crows, when they were broken up, he did, like, a club tour. And, like, some of these shows were just the best shows I've ever seen in, in my life. You
2: know? Yeah, that uh, one was by far one of the best ever. I remember, too, Tid, you and I went to one of those intimate and interactive shows that uh, Molson Canadian sponsored back in the day. And we saw STP. Oh, and I there love was those guys. only, like, what, Tid, 200 people in that vein? Yeah. We were at the government, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, we just
1: played with them this summer and I'm happy to say they still sound amazing. We played with them out in St. John's, Newfoundland, um, just to tie wow. it back to our our friend who commented um, <laughs> at Iceberg Alley. It was amazing. I mean, it was really amazing. Those guys still sound great. And we, we played with them when Scott was still alive as well. We, we did a festival in Winnipeg with them and and they were great then, too. But just happy to report they're still they're still kicking and they're still kicking ass, too.
2: Um, and and just to circle back, I wasn't disappointed with that hip show with the size of the crowd. It was just shocking the number of people in that size venue. Because that size venue like- would have held... Five thousand, right? But you oh, feel yeah.
0: like, yeah, you feel like when you go down and you see them in that smaller venue, you feel as a fan who knows them from these bigger venues that every single show they play yeah. should be these massive stadium well, shows. I figured it
2: wasn't going to be and, eighteen thousand, but I'm like,
0: you we know, fill I mean? the yeah.
2: house.
1: We have a we have a, a thing about small crowds, and you know, sometimes it happens. Sometimes the promoter doesn't do his job, or sometimes right. the the stars don't align, and sometimes it just didn't sell, and sometimes this, sure. and sometimes there's a storm. It happens we always say it's harder on the audience because they're the ones, they look around going like, you know, we're just like, we came from the clubs. We all did. Everybody came from the clubs. Everybody played for no one. Everybody played for the sound guy. No matter who you are, Bono played for the sound guy at some point, you know? Um, And so it's less weird for the performer, but for the audience who's seen them in the grandeur and the lights and the video, they're like, they feel super awkward. You know what I mean? And I think it's harder for them than it is even for the bands because the bands, they know what no one sounds like, you know. They everybody did it for at least a couple of years, you know what I mean, off the top. So
2: we got one last question that just came in four three seven three seven five two thousand. This one's on WhatsApp, and this one, um, uh, this is what everyone wants to know, JA. This question is John Angus: Is that the same hat you wore last time you were on the show, or do no, you have I, many hats nope. that look? Didn't you notice? Way? Just, no, didn't you notice? not my question. Was bigger.
0: The other hat, hat, was, bigger.
1: The other hat was bigger. Yeah, it had, it had a bigger brim. It was uh, bigger actually, brim. Yeah, this is a different one. This is my this is my evening cap. Uh, this is when I sleep <laughs> in. But, uh,
0: <laughs> it's just evening I chapeau. Yeah, <laughs> I have a few,
1: I have a, I have quite a few hats. You know, they say a lady can never have too many pairs of shoes, and a man can never have too many hats. So
2: you got that I, right,
1: I abide by that those age old words of wisdom.
2: John Angus, I want to thank you so much, man, for hanging out with us tonight. You're you're a true gem, uh one of my favorite Canadian artists for sure. And I'm not blowing oh, smoke thanks, up man. your ass, you know. Well thank you. Um I I've long been a fan, uh paid my money to come see you guys perform live. Right. Had had the invite from your publicist to uh to go see you guys come. She's like, you can come, you know, bring a bring a friend or bring whoever, and you can come, and I'll I'll get you to come meet the guys and hang out and everything. And then that show got canceled because of COVID in Niagara. Oh yeah, right, right, right. And it's, it's like it a lot.
1: So I, next I gotta time, man, a- you got to come up, you got to introduce us both, you guys. You got to come out and, and and bring us on stage.
2: I would love that. All I, right, let's make it happen. You know what? Don't tempt me, because I might make the trip to your Buffalo spot. <laughs>
1: That, that's a great, that's a great venue. Speaking of like crap venues, that's the yeah. opposite. That's one of those places they do everything right. It's a, it's the town ballroom. It's, it's amazing. There's no, no bad seat in the house. Sight lines. Everything's great.
2: Well, shit. Ted, it's been a while since we've done a road trip to Buffalo. I'm I going got there.
0: a passport. I'm... I got a passport with an eagle on it. Yeah, okay, <laughs> there
1: you go. I'm going
2: down to see the Bills on Sunday. Oh, uh, wow. Are yeah. you a Bills fan? I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well then listen, we got to ask you, what were your thoughts? on Monday night football. Cause we talked about that story at the start of the show.
1: Well, it was shocking, man. It was like, yeah. uh, well, oh, that kind of carnage on unfolding in, in real time. You know, it was, uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it was very, it was very sad and shocking and like, you know, the, the kind of thing you always knew that could happen in a, a sport like, like football. And I think often they were shying away from those kinds of stories and i think it says a lot about the league that i mean it, that they were able to sort of reckon with it in plain mm. sight like we need to we need to focus on this man's health it's not about get him out on the stretcher and game on you know it was like let's let's it, the circumstances were extreme i mean the guy's heart stopped uh, which i don't think anybody knew what they were watching necessarily at the time but uh uh you know I don't know, man. I, I feel like I'm rambling because I'm not, I'm not really an expert on, on any of it, football or health, but um, it was, it weird. was shocking.
0: Yeah. It was weird because it was the first time that they'd ever gone through it, and I thought that the NFL, the players, and the Players Association all handled that situation exactly the way that they should have yeah. because they were in the moment as well. Everybody yeah. can say anything that they want after the fact or whatever, but they handled that exactly the way that well, they I should Well, I read on Twitter
1: or something that it was like ESPN went from being a sports channel to being like a real-time news channel. Like suddenly they're yeah. covering a news story now. Like they're not, they're not covering a sport and they're, they have to deal with this sensitive issue now and with half the country tuned in or whatever it was. Like the astronomical ratings for this game is such a consequential game. So
0: it, I don't it know. Shows you, it shows you the importance of life. And yeah. that that things things can change, at the drop of a hat, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. So go out there, hug your kids, mm-hmm. kiss your wives yeah. or your husbands or your spouses, and go see the fucking truths.
1: The <laughs> go see the truths, And, and uh, I will say though, I could have been following it like a hawk, uh, I, you know, and I I hear good things. I hear he's improving. I hear things are yes. going well for him, which is great. Yes. Which is really good. And hopefully, we did report
2: carries. that earlier. Yeah, he's conscious. Hopefully that carries on. Apparently communicating, but not verbally first,
1: yet. I, I just read a headline before we started here that his first question was, "Did we win?"
2: Apparently, he yeah, wrote, he wrote it down, down. Oh, wrote okay, it down okay. for the okay.
0: nurse. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah so I mean, sweet. he's listen. He's young. He's athletic. He's twenty-four years old. Yeah. Those are the positive things that are going to help him get through this. One hundred percent. Pretty fucked well,
2: up though when a guy like Skip Bayless is tweeting like. Well, how are they going to make up this game? They can't cancel the game. Yeah. It's like, oh, shut no, pri- up, you priorities, talking man.
0: head. Priorities, priorities.
1: yeah, yeah it's like, priority priorities straight. Who gives a shit? Yeah, <laughs> you no, know? like it, in the face of life and death, none of that matters, you know. So, and I feel like the teammates were exemplary of that. You know, they're showing real emotion and support for their fallen brother, and that's that's the way it should be.
2: I want to share yeah. one quick. Um, Buffalo football story before you go this will take me about 15 seconds the very first time I ever went to a Bills game Mm -hmm. um it was so funny to me because I was probably 19 or 20 and I'm coming in obviously from Toronto I go down to the Bills game it's a it's a big game team is decent that year and everyone's in outside the in the parking lot pre-gaming right doing the tailgate parties they got ribs they got burgers they got beers and I'm just fucking pounding beers before the game cuz it's cold out and I got to get a I got to get a layer of gotta beer get warm, in me to gotta keep get warm.
1: warm from the inside. Yeah.
2: yeah, man. And then here's the funny part. It's like all of a sudden on mass, nobody says shit. It's like everyone just knows time to go and everyone just starts walking across the street right, to right. the to the to the stadium. And you see all of a sudden there's there's cops on the other side of the street like watching the crowds as they come in. And you could instantly tell who traveled in from Canada and who the locals were. Because the Canadians are like, oh, shit. And they got their can and they're like, (laughs) they're just like Uh, throwing it away.
1: Are
2: you allowed to take it in there? Yeah, the locals are just walking with their beer. like, right, right, right. right. Fuck these people wasting good beer. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like. The uptight Canadians. And here's a funny aside, blooper. I literally threw a beer for that gag and it just exploded everywhere.
0: Oh shit.
1: Well, <laughs> it's, it's live TV.
0: <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah. You... Well, we know what you're gonna do. You're gonna clean up a fucking mess. <laughs> a <laughs> and on that note.
2: All right. John Agus, if people want to uh find out more, where do they go, man? Uh the trues is our
1: website, all the dates, but you know, at the on Instagram and at the on Twitter and something Facebook slash the whatever it is you know or google just google the truths I think we're the first thing that comes up so
2: yeah and fuck awesome. Russell Brand yeah, we'll fuck get... Russell
1: Brand he's I think he shuffled down because he stopped using it so Good. I think we got the we got the first spot again
2: we will uh put the links up on godfathers of podcasting.com thanks so much thanks. John Angus thanks
1: guys I hope to come back and do it again a little
2: bit anytime Thank brother you. we'd love to have you back cheers fellas uh, there he goes cheers, man. man john angus from the trues Did maybe we should go to Buffalo you want to go see the true live When is it um it's uh it's soon all right (laughs) wait hold on Uh, let's figure it out uh let's see it's um i'll pull the fucking date right now buffalo is january 27th i think i'm available i have no idea if i am but i guess we'll see uh (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that is Notorious T.I.D. Chris Tidwell. Yeah, my name is Donnie De Silva. This has been episode 120, and we are done this party. We'll see you next week. Peace. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No, thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out All right then I don't know what the fuck just happened But I don't really care I'ma get the fuck up out of here fuck this shit, I'm out